Thank you, everyone, for returning this evening. It's great to see you all. Appreciate your coming back to uh, hear the, the Word of God. Just uh, one further note on Caleb. I think uh, part of the reason they took him to Hershey uh, Medical Center was that uh, not only did he have a very high fever, but he also uh, had convulsions uh, this uh, late afternoon, and so that's, that's why they took him. Tonight we look at a lesson in guarding our hearts. Uh, tonight we look at a unique passage of Scripture in which David becomes angered with God. And we want to guard our hearts against becoming angry with God. If David can, certainly we can. But we don't want to do that, and we want to find out tonight uh, what fostered David's anger and uh, what can guard us from becoming angered with God in our own lives. Uh, last week, we, uh, well, last time, I wasn't here last week, but last time we considered the importance of distinguishing between the proscriptive and descriptive portions of Scripture. Remember, the proscriptive are those portions of Scripture in which we receive a command. Descriptive, descriptive portions are, of Scripture are just those passage, their narrative, they just describe what's taking place. Uh, sometimes those actions are sinful, sometimes they're not, uh, but we need to make a distinction between that which is prescribed and that which is described. Uh, we looked at the differences in the way that God worked in the building of the temple, then he worked in the building of the tabernacle. Uh, we had a description of what took place, but how God worked was quite different in those two instances. And I said to try to form a pattern and say, well, that's the way everything has to happen, uh, is erroneous for God worked in various ways. We noted that the changes in circumstances and resources were contributing factors in the methodology of how God worked. Tonight, we look at an incident that arises from a prescribed portion of Scripture. In other words, there are some commands that are associated with moving the ark that we need to consider as we think about David's anger. That is the manner in which God had said the Ark of the Covenant was to be transported. The key element that we want to examine and apply this evening is David's anger towards the Lord. So first we, we look at the events themselves. David was transporting the Ark of the Covenant. In 2 Samuel 6, starting with verse 1, it says, And David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000, and David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up the ark from the <clears throat> to bring up from there the ark of God, excuse me, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. They carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out to the house of Aminadab, which was on a hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. Initially, while the ark was being transported, everyone was celebrating the goodness of the Lord and having a great time. Verse 5. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tamarines and castanets and cymbals. So this is one big celebration. It's a, a big party. Everybody's rejoicing. They are moving the ark. They're taking it uh, to uh, Jerusalem. 
Nothing could be finer. Everything's going great. However, the celebrating came to a sudden halt. As they were moving the ark, the cart rocked, the ark teetered, and Uzzah reached out and steadied the ark so that it would not fall. Verse 6, And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. So you can picture it. They have the ark on the back of this uh, two-wheeled cart. Uh, they are moving it. The oxen stumble. The, the cart shakes. The ark teeters. And Uzzah reaches out to steady the ark so that it's not going to fall to the ground. B. When Uzzah touched the ark, he was struck dead. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. So background to the Lord's action in killing Uzzah. First, the, the law clearly forbade touching the ark for any reason. In Numbers 4.15 and following, it says this. And when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary, and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, as the camp sets out, after that the sons of Kohath shall come to carry these, but they must not touch the holy things, lest they die. And the law also clearly stated that the one who touched the ark would die, as I just read, lest they die. So the word of God is, is clear about what happens if one touches the ark. When Uzzah touched the ark, the Lord became angry and killed Uzzah. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error. Then David became angry with the Lord for striking Uzzah. It tells us in verse 8, and David was angry. And that's what we want to focus on tonight, David's anger. David was angry. The basic reason that David was angry with the Lord is given to us in the text. Verse 8, and David was angry because, we don't have to guess, we don't have to surmise, but we're told, because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. In the King James, it says, David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. But displeased isn't a strong enough word. He was angry with God. And he was angered with God because God had broken out. God himself had become angry and struck Uzzah dead. So you have two angered parties, God and David. God angry at Uzzah, David angry at God. Let's go to C before we do B. C, one is not in the best of company when one is angry with the Lord, okay? Uh, that's not how we want to be described. It's never a good thing to be angry with God. Uh, Cain was angered with God when God did not accept his sacrifice. Genesis chapter 4, verse 5. 
But for Cain in his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. He was angered at God when God would not accept the sacrifice that he offered. Uh, Cain had offered a sacrifice from his uh, fields. Uh, He was a a farmer. And so he offered the fruits of his labor. Okay. In essence, he presented his works before, before God. Whereas Abel had offered a sacrifice to God, a blood offering to God. And God accepted the blood offering, but he didn't accept the works of Cain. But instead of repenting, instead of doing what he should have done, he is angered with God. Why in the world wouldn't God accept my offering? Why isn't he pleased? Why isn't he satisfied? Why doesn't he pat me on the back and say, I appreciate your sacrifice as you gave part of your produce unto me? Jonah was angered when God spared a repentant Nineveh. In Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, it reads, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, that's the Ninevites, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Now, Jonah is angered with God because God had mercy on the Ninevites. Jonah didn't think that the Ninevites were worthy of experiencing God's mercy or God's grace. Jonah thought that God ought to smite those awful, wicked people down. And when God didn't do it, he became angered with God. And what these people have in common is that they find fault with God's actions. They are displeased with the way in which God responds to situations. For Cain, he's angered because God doesn't accept his sacrifice. Jonah, he's angered because God doesn't strike these heathen people down. And then we have this curious verse in Jonah chapter 4, verse 4. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah, think about this. You're angered because I spared the Ninevites. You think that's right, Jonah? You think you really should be angry because I had mercy upon them? Remember Jonah's disobedience. Remember how Jonah went in the opposite direction from that which uh, God had told him to go. Remember how he had been so resistant to doing the will of God. He said to the Uh, sailors, just throw me over the ship. Let me die. And God sends a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And for three days and three nights, he's in the the belly of this fish. And then finally, the fish spits him out when uh, Jonah is repentant. But he's not repentant to the place where he says, he doesn't make the connection. He doesn't say, God, you were merciful to me. I'm thankful that you're merciful to these Ninevites. No, he's saying, God, I'm grateful that you're merciful to me, but why in the world are you merciful to these these Ninevites? 
They're, they're just terrible, wicked people. Let's go to B. David views God's action as inappropriate. God, David is angered with God because he doesn't think that God should smite Uzziah dead. He thinks God acted inappropriately. He thinks God acted capriciously, okay? That, that, that God just got angry and slew this man's life and that Uzzah was undeserving of this kind of action on the part of God, okay? That's what all of these scenarios have in common. The common denominator is that people think that God acts inappropriately and so get angry at how God acts because they would act differently. They would choose a different course. And one can readily think about why David may have thought that God's actions were inappropriate. The kinds of things that we hear today. For number one, wasn't Uzziah's heart in the right place by wanting to guard the Ark of the Covenant from hitting the ground? I mean, isn't that a good thing? Do we want God's ark to land on the ground? Would that be better? And then you get into this whole question of situational ethics. Which would have been better on the part of Uzziah? Would it be to have let this cart fall, excuse me, the ark fall and, and be on the ground and maybe in the mud and, and defiled? Wasn't it better when he saw that likelihood to reach out and, and steady that ark? Wasn't that a good thing? Why didn't God accept that? Why didn't God praise him, let alone strike him down? Why didn't God say, Uzzah, you fine man, you, you preserved the ark? So number two, wasn't it better to have touched the ark rather than let it fall? Wasn't Uzzah, in fact, honoring God through his disobedience? Yes, yes, technically he was disobedient, but, but really, wasn't he deep down inside saying that he loved God and wanted to serve God and concerned about God's glory, his reputation, and so he reaches out and touches the ark. Why wouldn't God accept something like that? Why wouldn't God be pleased with that? And David becomes angered at God because he thinks that God was an heir. That he should not have demonstrated his anger towards Uzzah. D. We must be on guard of getting angry when God shows disapproval of our actions. When God does not work in the way that we anticipate or the way that we think that he should act. Okay? Uh, especially, especially when we have sinned and we contribute our disobedience in some way to a manner that should be acceptable or appropriate uh, to God and we're angered when, when he 
doesn't accept that when he holds us accountable. Now this gets into a, a pretty thorny and complicated issue as you look at all sides. But tonight, we want to emphasize that in this passage, David was at fault, not God. David was at fault, not God. First, David did not follow the law of God. They transported the ark on a new cart. Verse 3, and they carried the ark of God on a new cart. Two, the ark was to be transported by the priests who carried the ark on poles. Okay, you can envision this. Uh, you've seen movies of, of uh, kings sometimes that are transported, carried, you know, on a uh, royal chair. And you have uh, people that have poles on their shoulders and they're carrying the king. Well, the way in which the ark was to be transported was that these uh, staves were to be put through. There's rings on each corner of the ark. They were to be put through, and, and uh, the priests were to place these staves on their shoulders and carry the ark suspended before them. Notice Exodus 25, 10 to 14. They shall make an ark of a kea wood. Two cubits and a half shall be its length, a cubit and a half its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold, inside, outside, shall you overlay it. You shall make on it a molding of gold all around it. You shall cast four rings of gold for it, and put them on its four feet. Two rings on the one side of it, two rings on the other side of it. You shall make poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with gold. And you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark, to carry the ark by them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. So these poles were never to be removed so that they would never lose sight as to how this ark was to be transported. They weren't to store the staves separately and then when it came time to move the ark, then they insert the staves. But even when the ark was stationary, they were to have these these staves in the rings, ready to go, so that there would be no temptation to ever move the ark in another way. B, the moving of the ark of the covenant was proscribed in the word of God. The proscriptions of God are not altered by culture or circumstances. Okay, So when God tells us that there's a specific way that is to be done, it's always to be done that way. The prescriptions of God are not changed by culture and circumstances. The descriptive aspects of God's working do change, but not the proscriptive. Number two, putting the Ark of the Covenant on a new cart was not a better way of transporting the Ark. Now you can imagine. You can imagine that as they thought about moving the ark. Uh, that was a pretty old-fashioned way to transport the ark. Uh, we don't know exactly what was available to the Israelites when they were in the wilderness and when they were moving the ark. 
but uh, you know what what kind of transportation they had available. But now they, they've got a they've got a cart, a, a very good cart, uh, and you know it's it's modern, it's up to date, it's the way you move things. Uh, they didn't carry uh, things with staves and poles any longer. They, they put them on carts. And three, putting the Ark of Covenant on a new cart was not a, a more God-honoring way of moving the Ark, okay? So, it, you know, they didn't, didn't just pick this old, dingy, dilapidated cart. They put this Ark on a brand-new spanking cart. You know, it was cleaned up. It was, it was very nice. And, you know, why, why wouldn't God be pleased to use the, the newest mode of transportation and have this, this cart that's never been used for anything else that we're going to sanctify for this purpose of, of moving the ark, okay? It sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? And uh, let's go with it. Four, the giving of outward praise to God was not more glorifying than to obey his word. Initially, they are excited. Initially, they're praising. They're singing. They're celebrating. They're having a hoot of a time giving glory to God as they're moving this ark. But when the ark begins to teeter and Uzzah puts out his hand and God strikes him dead, all the celebrating ends. All the rejoicing comes to a stop. And the praise of God moves to David being angered at God. Angered at God. Why, God, would you do these things? Application. We always have to remember that statement that's made when Saul disobeys God concerning the king of Amalek, if you remember the story, and Saul, uh, he wonders why God doesn't accept what he had done, and David said that it is better, excuse me, it was Samuel who said, it is better to obey than to sacrifice. Okay. Uh, it's easy to give lip service to God. It's easy to celebrate God's goodness, but what we ought to do is follow God's word. And when it comes to the proscribed elements of God's word, it shouldn't be changed. It shouldn't be altered. And it cannot be improved upon. Moving the ark on a cart was not better than moving it by the shoulders of the, of the priests. The event was notable, and the place became renowned because of what the Lord had done. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah, and the place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. So to the writing of the book of Samuel, from that point on, it was always known as the place where God burst forth against Uzzah, where God showed his anger to Uzzah. This story came down 
through the generations. Everybody was reminded of what happened at that time or that place. I can look at the negative consequences of David's becoming angry with God. What's the fallout of this? Well, first, David became afraid of God. Verse 9, and David was afraid of the Lord that day. You might say that fear is a good thing, but in this instance it's not. For it drove David away from God. It created a separation in the relationship between God and David. Notice B, David becomes irrational in his relationship due to his fear. His fear drove him to an irrational conclusion. Verse 9, and David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Okay, how can I ever serve this God? If God is going to become angered when I put this ark on a brand new cart, and I have a man that is so dedicated and so concerned about God's glory that he's not going to let that ark fall to the ground, and when he sticks out his hand, that God smites him dead, then how in the world can we ever serve a God like that? How can we ever do anything that's going to be pleasing to him? That's what anger to God goes to. It says, how can I serve that kind of angry, vengeful God? And so see, David became reluctant to serve God. So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. That's a pretty important statement. David was not willing. He had become convinced that it was the right thing to move the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And he was right. And he was right. But when he became angered with God and he became irrational, then he came to the conclusion, well, if that's the way God is, then, then I don't want anything to do with it. He becomes fed up. The ark can just stay where it's at, as far as David's concerned. Okay, just, I want nothing to do with it. And he leaves it there. David took it to the house of Obed-Edom. So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. All right? So that's where anger against God often results when people then become unwilling to serve God. Cain was unwilling to repent when God was displeased with his sacrifice. And what does he do? He takes out his anger upon Abel and kills Abel. He wasn't angered at Abel, but he was angered that Abel had offered a sacrifice that was acceptable to God. And so Abel funnels his anger towards God to, excuse me, Cain funnels his anger towards God to Abel and kills him. Jonah was unwilling to serve God. He wanted to go in the opposite direction. Uh, he 
was reluctant to do what God would have him to do. Angered against God creates people that are unwilling, okay? They don't want to worship anymore. They don't want to come to church. They don't want to pray because they're angry with God. Who's God? That's the way God is then. Fine. I want nothing to do with them. And you can think of a lot of people today that are angry with God and want nothing to do with him and are unwilling to serve him. But wonderfully, David repents of his anger towards God. And I want to look at these steps of repentance. First, David sees anew the goodness of God. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told, King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark. You know, David, you're unwilling to move this ark of the covenant to Jerusalem, but... That ark is resting in the property of Obed-Edom, and God has just richly blessed him because that ark is there. And he starts thinking about the blessing that's associated with the presence of that ark. And he's biting off his own nose to spite his face. In refusing to bring that ark of the covenant, he's refusing God's blessing. He's refusing all the goodness that God has for him. Because he wants nothing to do with God and doesn't want to serve God. So B, David once again rejoices in bringing the ark to Jerusalem. And it was told King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. So now he's happy again. Now he's rejoicing again. Now David is serving again. David submits to the law of God and moved the ark in a proper way. Verse 13, and when those who bore the ark of the Lord, so now they're back to carrying it. He learned his lesson. David said, how can I move this ark? He knew. He knew. He didn't need a priest to to tell him. Those staves were in that ark. He knew the law. Now he's willing to follow the law of God. David acknowledges his sinfulness and the goodness of God by offering a sacrifice to God. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, six steps, you picture the, the importance of this? Here are these priests. They now have the Ark of the Covenant on their, their shoulders. And they go one, two, three, four, five, six. And then they stop. And they offer sacrifices. Sacrifices that demonstrated their repentance. Sacrifices that demonstrated their sinfulness. Sacrifices that... that committed themselves once again anew to God. Here was their demonstration. God, we accept that what we did was wrong. 
They didn't find another cart. They didn't find another oxen that was not as clumsy. Rather, they went and did it the way that God did it. And after they had this symbolic six steps to show that now they're serious about doing things the way that God had said they should be done, now they offer their sacrifices. And of course, God is pleased with those sacrifices. And then lastly, David humbled himself before God by taking off his kingly attire. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a horn. So they're back to celebrating. They're back to praising. They're back to a right relationship with God. And David is dancing with all his heart. And it tells us that he has on a linen ephod. David took off his kingly robes. All of the majesty and and decorum of his kingship and humbled himself by taking on this simple linen ephod to symbolize that David is recognizing the authority of God. That God is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that God is David's king. And David is going to do this work God's way. And so he's honoring the Lord by humbling himself by wearing this linen ephod. Observations. A. When we become angry with God, we are showing our rebellion towards his will. We are standing in judgment over God when we become angry with what God does. We don't always know why. Okay, in this instance, we can see that he followed the prescriptions. But you know, even when people sin, I've run into people that get angry with God because of the consequences of their own sinfulness. They think that God has promised them to be happy and wealthy and all these things, no matter how they live, and they live contrary to the word of God and then become angry with God because their life's a mess. Well, we ought to be humble before God and acknowledge our own sinfulness and realize that a lot of the problems in life we bring upon ourselves. A lot of misery and heartache are the results of our own decisions. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can look back and know what the Word of God tells us to do, and we didn't do it. We chose another way. Okay? At that point, the response is not to be angry with God. The response is to be angry with ourselves and our own wickedness and submit to God. B, when we become angry with God, we lose our desire to serve Him. Uh, that's not what we want. When we become angry with God, we fail to see our pride. When we become angry with God, we lose our desire to rejoice. When we become angry with God, we fail to worship Him as He should be worshipped. When we become angry with God, we need to repent. I just say to you tonight, let's guard our hearts against becoming angry with God.
of finding fault with what he does. Tonight I've, I've been pretty narrow in terms of talking about our own sinfulness. There are things that happen not because of our own sinfulness. And sometimes we can't understand why God does what he does. But I tell you the right response is not to get angry with God. It's not to raise our fist and say, God, how dare you? He is God. We are not. But it's to submit to God. It's, it's to pour out our hearts before God. God, I don't know why. I don't know why you did this. I don't understand. But I know you're a loving God. I know you're a gracious God. I know you're a just God. I'm not going to charge you with folly. You see, that's the response of Job. When everything was taken away from Job, he didn't curse God. He didn't become angered with God. He blessed God. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job couldn't explain it, but he knew his God. And he was willing to accept what his God did. That's what we have to pray for. Hearts of faith that accept what God brings into our lives, even when we don't understand it. Even when we don't understand it. And when we do that, we are going to rejoice. We are going to see the Lord at work. We're, we're going to understand who our God is, and there's going to be a depth to our worship that is so much more meaningful where we're not just giving lip service to God anymore, but, but we're really stopping and praising and thanking God for his mercy and for his grace. When David repents, there is such a, a deeper relationship that is established with God. That important element of offering these sacrifices after just six steps that humbling himself to take off the, the kingly robes. It's showing that because when he first moved the ark, obviously he was wearing the kingly robes. But he viewed God in a totally different way. May God enable us in times of hardship and misery, heartache and trial to seek to honor and praise God. May we, as we start to feel angry with God, quickly repent of that. Quickly ask God to, to show us, to humble us, to teach us who he is and who we are. And, and the question that God asked Jonah, are you right to be angry with me? May we ask that of ourselves and say, are we right to be angry with God? And may our response always be, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Who am I to question the goodness and mercy and grace of God? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, help us guard our hearts. Keep us from becoming angry with God. And Lord, help us to see that many, many times the hardships and miseries that we experience we have brought upon ourselves. And rather than charge you with folly, 
Lord, teach us to take responsibility for our own actions, for our own desires. And then, Lord, in these other instances, when we simply don't understand what's taking place, guard our hearts. Help us to view you aright. Help us to understand that you're a loving, merciful, gracious, but just and holy God. And may we submit ourselves to you. And even as Job submitted himself to you, say, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives, he takes away. But the Lord is good. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.